0: When it comes to your relationship with Christ, only one thing matters, and it is that one thing that will garner our attention here today on Truth For Today. Join us, won't you? It's the only thing that counts, and it's recorded for us here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1-6. through 6. And verse 6, specifically, is where we're focusing our attention today. Paul writes that, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And that is what we're exploring today, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us, won't you? Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast. He says something that's a little tricky here. The third essential.
1: The hope for future righteousness. Let me ask you this. When God saved you, did he impute the righteousness of Christ to you at that time, or do you wait to get it? At that time. The moment you believe... He imputes the right... Well, what's this living in hope of righteousness? Well, when Scripture uses hope, it's usually talking about the future tense of our salvation. And it's quite interesting that the Spirit convicts of a kind of righteousness that permits you to go to heaven, just like God the Son... And I believe what he's saying here is we live in the hope of the future installment of our salvation, where our bodies that are groaning in this present creation and longing to be clothed with a glorified body, like Romans 8 says, we groan, waiting to be delivered from this present cosmos that's living under the curse. Even creation is groaning. and He says the spirit is groaning, and we too groan, he says, longing to be released from a mortal body and be fully manifested as who we are, the true sons of God. So Christianity has a hope element. I have not gotten everything I've been promised in salvation. So guess what we do about righteousness? We live in hope of it. And I like what he says. We're waiting for it. We're not working for it. It's going to come third installment Bishop B.F. Westcott has marvelous commentaries on the book of Hebrews, the book of John First John, he's still in print and Westcott's been dead for probably a hundred years but a marvelous Greek scholar in London one day he was walking the streets of London and he came up on a uh, salvationist lassie and she was a uh, uh, witnessing to people and uh, as he came by the young lady she said to this world renowned scholar "said uh, sir are you saved and he wanted to have some fun with her and him knowing the Greek language so well and knowing the Bible he decided to say what, what, what do you mean have I been saved with the present result I'm saved or am I presently being saved or I will be saved The poor lassie had no idea where he was going I ask you are you saved But biblical language about salvation is salvation is three tenses the moment you believe you're saved a completed act like a birth And a perfect tense is used in the Greek. For by grace through faith are you saved. Perfect tense. Done. Yet Paul tells Timothy, pay attention to yourself and the teaching and you will save yourself. And you'll save those who hear you. He's talking about present tense deliverance. Present. You know what? After I got saved, I thought that was it. I didn't know what to do the next time I slipped and I cussed as a teenage boy or I sinned. I thought I'd lost my salvation because that's what I grew up with. Because I thought once you got saved, no more slips allowed. And guess what I found out? I got saved, but I am being saved right now. Delivering me from all the propensities of my personality and sin nature. I'm daily being saved. What about you? And guess what? There's some things about me I don't want. One is this body. It's okay, but I wish the next time God give me a better one. I don't, I don't want a body like this forever. And so there's something I long for, and that's the future tense. And this is the hope for completed righteousness in the future. When I get everything, I am saved in hope, and you are too. It's one of the essentials of Christianity, the longing for the future, of more to come. The Spirit's only a down payment. He hasn't given you at all yet. It's only a guarantee there's more to come. So true Christianity lives with the hope of more to come. Living in hope. Even in our sufferings. We can say I have hope. That this is only a shadow. Someday there will be no shadows. When I get all that my righteousness. Entitled me to. This gift of righteousness. Came with hope about the future. And I'm waiting for it. I'm not working for it. Fourthly. He says. uh, Faith. All that's essential. Is faith. All that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. The only thing you need to live the Christian life, really, and to know you're saved, is faith that God will keep his promises. Faith in God. Now, what is faith in God? Faith is uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. But faith is really uh, trusting another, relying on another, uh, resting confidently in another. Faith appropriates what God offers us in Christ. It's the empty hand. We're not saved because of our faith. It's not the virtue. God even gives us faith, enables us to believe but it's the empty hand that appropriates what God offers in Christ, appropriates divine promises. You must have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because all who come to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. So, John, the Gospel of John, 115 times says, if you want eternal life, you just got to believe. Now, if you think that's easy believism, you don't know how divine faith is. Faith is a gift from God. If it was easy, more people would be saved. It is no small thing that God has enabled you to believe someone you've never seen yet, someone you've never been able to touch nor empirically investigate. This is a gift of God that unseen things have been made more real to you than seen things. That you can take the word of God about something that happened 2,000 years ago outside the city limits of Jerusalem on an old tree and that except the word of God that your sins were dealt with there paid for there and that God raised the corpse of Christ from a tomb and that he's alive and well. And none of you can prove that scientifically. You weren't there. But we have historical record. We have historical witnesses. And we have something that is quite phenomenal. A church still on the face of the earth that has sailed through bloody seas, has been martyred, cut down, hated, corrupted, uh, incarcerated. But... (coughs) God still has a church on the earth. Is that not amazing? It's not just a bubonic plague that swept through Europe and it's gone. No, it's still here, friend. Faith. Faith in God. Fifth thing is, it is a certain kind of faith. It's a faith that works. You see what he says here? Faith that is expressing itself. The word expressed there is our little word, inerdma. And we get our word energy from it. It is a faith that is full of energy. And the idea, they had a way of describing this word. That by the results that occur, you know energy was expended. So it says, saving faith is an energizing faith. It energizes us to love. But that's the dynamic of it. If your faith doesn't work, your faith doesn't save. Isn't that interesting? Here, God's constantly telling us you're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves never remains alone, for it always bears fruit. It always manifests itself in right behavior. James said, Ours is not a dead faith, which is creedal and doctrinal. Is there one true God? Every demon, never in the Gospels, did a demon doubt who Jesus was. It's only liberals that doubt that. It's only the Madeline O'Hare's, but the devil's a lot smarter than liberals. He never denied the deity of Christ, nor his cohorts. Thou art the Son of God, come to torment us before our time. What are you doing in town? Please don't command us to leave this maniac of Gadara. Because if you give the command, we must obey you. And we'll be drowned in the batch of hogs that we move into their bodies. They knew that they were dealing with God. And James says creedal faith, knowledge faith, can always be right on theological questions. Yes, he's the one true God. But they won't obey him. They won't serve him. That's the danger about being around a lot of knowledge. You think a lot of knowledge equals a lot of Christ-likeness. No, it can be a lot of ego. For knowledge has a puffing-up effect If it's not balanced by a thorn. Saving faith works. Faith without works is dead. God didn't even produce it. The faith that saves you is an energizing, working out kind of faith. And guess what its main product is? The sixth essential of Christianity it's a people that by faith come to love God and love people. Love God and love people. You know what the true evidence of your faith is? Not how much you know, but how much you love. The only thing essential is the kind of faith that's rest in Christ, the kind of faith that's energized by the Spirit, The kind of faith that has left you with a hope of future glory. Faith alone, but a faith that is energized to produce positive character. And ultimately, the kind of faith that expresses itself in love. You know, most people probably first want to know, do you love them before they want to know what you believe? And you'll see some um, some zealot Christians, we want to uh, pounce on people and convince them of what we believe. That might be the wrong approach. Why don't you convince them you love them? I just read an article in Christianity Today that I thought was, uh, was a magnificent article. And it was what Francis Schaeffer taught me. And it's written by a student of uh, Schaeffer's that... Heard him at Wheaton College, and Francis Schaeffer in the 60s and 70s was the leading apologist of the day. A Presbyterian that went to uh, La Aubre uh, in Europe uh, and uh, met with uh, so many of the hippie generation of the 60s, the acid heads and all the brains that thought Christianity was uh, fictional. And they went there to dialogue with this wonderful man of God. And he was the first one that blew the whistle on abortion. I never hardly heard of abortion until we saw his film series, How Then Should We Live? And we showed that the church had a marvelous turnout in those days when we were down at the old dance hall. His writings, The God Who Was There, "Escape from reason. Death in the City, The Church Before the Watching World, classic statements. And this guy said, I heard, Francis, I was amazed at his arguments. But he said, I must tell you the great thing I learned from him is how to weep over those you are opposed to. For I never saw a man that I felt like was weeping so much over his opponents. Because he knew even if they could beat him in the argument, they were lost. Camus didn't matter. He took on existentialism. Took on Paul Leary and all the acid head theology and uh, philosophy the other day. Just need a little LSD. That helps everybody. Taught by leading campus prof. Timothy Leary. But he was a man that said, the world must see that we weep over them. Could your neighbors say that about you? I mean, you may do the weeping in private, but would they ever suspect you of caring that much? Because I've been around a harsh kind of Christianity because I wound up when I made my journey from... uh, Uh, pentecostal circles i wound up with some very rigid right-wing christians and they were right theologically i have no problem but man they were militant at least us pentecostals hugged a lot we were warm we were kind of southern christians shake hands, emotions tears, we cared we had a lot of that, all of a sudden I'm over here and they're asking me what do you think of Billy Graham huh? I think he's a Christian don't associate with him he's apostate he's an ecumenicalist we're against him don't associate, if you do you'll never be accepted in this school oh, I didn't even know that was the issue it is here do you hug at the school? No, that's charismatic. Get out of here. And they told me don't act out of line and we'll kick you out. We're just being lenient to let you in the school. I said, I'm only here because I want your bachelor's and you're in my backyard and I live at home. I'm not in love with you. I just want a bachelor's degree. Graduate me. I won't take over your chapel. Found out there are wonderful Christians. They really did know the Lord. They died for the cause. But they had a militant. Everything was we're separate. We're right for this. You know, it would be, take a while to find out. Who do you love? Well, we're not interested now. That's a little gooey. We're not into sloppy agape. We're, we're courageous for the faith. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I noticed your wife's healing up from a bruise. Gave her a judo chop. She misquoted the verse. If you're that kind, that's why our kids throw it up. They see parents that fight like cats and dogs, and we wonder why they don't want our faith. They said, if you represent the God, and you do represent the God you claim to know, right? You do represent him. That's what's bad. I'm trying to tell a lot of folks, they don't go to our church. They go to that other church that's messed up. But when I find out, they really do go here. We just don't want to claim them until they start loving. God's got some trials he designs for our lives. You know what many times we'll be on test? Not just the right, but can you love people that are 100% wrong? Could you love somebody that's 100% wrong? Did you know that's what God did for you and I at the cross? I was 100% opposed to God when he died for me. For God did not die for me when I was preaching or trying to do the good. When we were without Christ, when we were ungodly, without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5. And so what are the essentials when you talk to people? Talk to them about Christ. Talk to them about the energizing, quickening power of the Spirit to bring about behavior change you can never do on your own. Whether you're in a 12-step or a 109-step program, your problem is you don't have the power to make the steps. Why don't you walk in the Spirit? He's the one that's got the power. Why don't you just rest in a God that says you can hope for future righteousness to be displayed in your body? I've called you to wait for it. You don't have to work for it. Why don't you just walk by faith, not by sight? And why don't you just be letting this faith work itself out? And by the way, the only thing essential is a faith that sows off in loving God and loving people. Have you been accused lately of loving anybody? And I'm not talking about when you stand in front of the mirror. I am somebody. I just see you in front of the mirror. I am somebody. Yeah, you are. You are narcissus. You, your narcissism came from the Greek myth that he saw his image in the water and fell in love with his image. So he began to worship himself. So get rid of your mirror. Do you love anyone other than those not in the mirror? And that is always the convicting thing. I don't need 600 rules that I break. My biggest challenge is to answer the question, who do you love in unmistakable terms so that even the world knows its love? And Jesus says, that will be the badge of identity for my disciples. They'll know my people. Why? Because they know Greek and Hebrew and win all arguments. They'll know you because you've got the kind of love that will stoop to wash feet that only comes from God and you won't be able to fake it for long for you'll wear out quickly but if you got the real thing for the rest of your life you can find I have no greater joy than loving people because there's an energizing force in your life that keeps replenishing the desire it's the Holy Spirit's power that came at the point of salvation the only thing essential Jesus, Holy Spirit, hope Faith, faith that works, and faith that manifests love. Father, I just pray today, let us be the people of God. Let us weep over our lost world. It's easy to judge them. We know they're wrong. But maybe you could let us shed some tears over our perishing culture that is truly going to hell quickly. The times are changing and prophetic days are upon us. When, O Lord, when shall you come? When shall you judge the wicked? And we pray in the meantime, let us love our neighbor, our brother, our mother, our father. I think of the old song. That this old-time religion makes me love everybody. We all need a fresh baptism of a love that gets us above the petty criticisms we can have for one another. Please, let us rise above it. Let us walk in the
0: Spirit. For Christ's sake, I pray. Amen. And once again, we've come to the end of our time together here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we lock things up for another day of broadcasting, we do so with a a way to contact us here at Truth For Today. If you have a question, a prayer request, comment, we would love to pray for you. If you have a praise report about how the program is encouraging you in Christ, we'd love to hear that as well. A couple of ways to reach out to us. The easiest, of course, our phone number, 855 833 9864, or our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, you have another way to reach out to us, and that is, especially if you have a question or a praise report that you would like Pastor Phil to answer. Well, simply take your voice memo app on that smartphone of yours, record your question along with who you are and where you're calling from, and then email that bit of audio to us at tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, the email address is tftquestions at valleybible.org. So email that to us. We'll run it by Pastor Phil. And should we use it on the radio, we'll even let you know when. And as always, you can again reach out to us at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you partner with us financially, bear in mind that we are able to continue this radio ministry through you doing just that, joining other friends and family members of this ministry to ensure that this program continues its ministry in the greater Bay Area. Please consider that as you reach out to us, and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.